Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so it's not a long shot to think that Babylon can't be rebuilt again. And we know that that's going to be the political and economic and spiritual center ultimately in the very last days before Jesus returns. And though the storms may come, I am holding on to the rock I clean. How can I keep from Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in chapter 17 in the book of Revelation. To those familiar with the Old Testament, the name Babylon is associated with organized idolatry, blasphemy, and the persecution of God's people. In some ways, the city of Rome was the clearest fulfillment of the Babylon attitude. If we had to pick one city today that most exemplifies the world system, perhaps we would say that Los Angeles is the Babylon of today. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 17, starting in verse 1, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Revelation, chapter 17. I doubt very highly we're going to get through the entire chapter today. Uh, If we get through verse 6, I'll be very happy. This, these chapters, um, 17 and 18, are, are pivotal, are important in the book of Revelation because it speaks of the destruction of Babylon, which Babylon has never been destroyed. Um, you may be asking yourself, what do you mean by that? Well, Babylon was never completely destroyed as a city. It, it lay in ruin after the Medes and the Persians. When they, when they came against the Babylonians, remember it's recorded for us in Daniel's, um, Daniel's prophecy in his book, that there came a time when Belshazzar was having that party with the chalices and the things from the temple. Remember that? And that very night they were ransacked by the Medes. Darius and the Medes, and they took control. But they didn't destroy Babylon. They didn't destroy it. It was such a beautiful place. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. Many of the things in Babylon, the hanging gardens, the, 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 the sculptures, the, the architecture was unparalleled. And so they, they didn't want to break it apart and destroy it, but rather they kept it. And it continued through the Medes and the Persians. But as time went on, the city just became, became, it grew into ruin. It wasn't because it was destroyed. But the Bible speaks of a time yet future to us. And we'll look more at this next week and maybe the week following, because we're probably going to be three weeks in these two chapters. Because there are plenty of prophetic passages in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah that speak of 
Babylon being totally destroyed in an instant. Being destroyed, and it's a very final blow, and it's the, 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 the details concerning it are something different than what we've observed in history. And I want to encourage you in that because Babylon is yet to be revived. The, the, the city Babylon is going to be rebuilt on the river, right on the river, on the side there in the river Euphrates in the Middle East. Saddam Hussein began building it in the 80s and the 90s. And remember, the Gulf War stopped him dead in his tracks. But there were a number of things that he accomplished during that time. And it's just waiting there. The city of Babylon, which started way back in infancy in the book of Revelation, or back, book of Genesis, excuse me, and we'll look at that this morning. In Revel, uh, I keep calling it Revelation. Help, Lord. Uh, Genesis 11, we'll be looking at that. The very foundation of Babylon was pagan in its origin. And it's going to, and in, in the human history really began in this city, and it's ultimately going to end there as well. It's a tale of two cities, but it's really one. It's one city. And for a long time, I thought that Babylon couldn't be rebuilt because most of it still lay in ruins, even though there's some semblance of it building and, and remnants of it even right now from Saddam Hussein. But one thing we have to remember is that when the church is removed, there could very well be a period of time before the tribulation begins. You know, we, we, we've talked about in terms of, you know, from your perspective looking at me, that there is this time of the church age, and then once the church is removed, then the tribulation period begins, the seven-year period. That is true. However, in once the church is removed, there may be a series, a, a number of years between when the church is removed until... The, you know, until the, um, that peace treaty that the Antichrist is going to make with the children of Israel to allow them to build their temple. There could be 25, 30, 50 years. And in that time, it's very easy for Babylon to be rebuilt again before the Great Tribulation really begins. Because what really starts the Great Tribulation is that covenant, that peace treaty, that this man of sin who Israel doesn't know him any more than any other politician, but he's going to give them the ability to rebuild their temple. But that is going to be the moment that's going to start the clock ticking for Daniel's final seven-year period. Does that make sense? And so there may be a period of time. And it doesn't take very long for a city to be built, especially one that's already had its beginnings already. We see cities springing up. You look at Dubai, for instance. Dubai is one of those cities that used to be a desert. And just in under 10 or 15, 20 years, this thing is one of the... It's huge and it's glorious. It's beautiful. And so it's not a long shot to think that Babylon can't be rebuilt again. And we know that that's going to be the political and economic and spiritual center ultimately in the very last days before Jesus returns. And so, chapter 17 and 18, uh, over the next couple weeks, chapter 17 uh, really refers to the destruction of the harlot church, which is the compromised apostate church that's going to be on the earth when the real church, you and I, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are part of the real church. Do you know the difference? There is a universal church which people claim to belong to, and maybe they do. And only God knows who really belongs to him. If you're born again, you belong to him. If you ever doubt the question, if somebody asks you the question, well, are you a, Christ a Christian, don't just give the answer, well, I'm Catholic. No, because I've asked people that, and they tell me. I say, are you a Christian? And they say, well, I'm Catholic. And I said, well, that's not really what I asked. <laughs> 
Are you a Christian? There's the difference, okay? And there are many Catholics who really do know the Lord, and they're still remaining in that system. For what reason, I have no idea. But they're still there. God loves them. He loves all of them. And he would love to have them come out of that, because it is a false system. But God is, um, so that system is, uh, is coming. It's coming. And so this destruction of the harlot church is going to really, um, this chapter 17 is really going to be speaking about the destruction of that religious system. And when we get into chapter 18, we're going to see the destruction of the physical Babylon. And that will include the economic and political uh, base, which is going to be there yet future to us. So it will be rebuilt again, we believe. It's not a, um, a code name for Rome. And we'll look more at that as we go along. But let's go ahead and read chapter 17, and then we'll get into it. Again, we're not going to get a great deal into this chapter. There's a lot here, I'll be honest with you. And I've read a, a ton of things, and I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. And I've had to come to some conclusions based on what I've read and based on what I've heard from very reputable men of God. And, and so that's what I'm going to share with you. I'm not going to give you... Um, I, want, I don't want to give you... Uh, I'm going to do the best I can to share those things. So let's read this. It says in chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, and with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names, notice, are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Then they see the beast that was, or when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. I love the finality of that. Amen. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of lords. Notice capital L, 
Lord of Lords, and he's also the King, capital K, of lowercase kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Hallelujah. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked. They will eat her flesh, burn her with fire. Doesn't sound like very nice guys, does it? For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And so this morning we are looking at a religious system. A religious system. And it's interesting to me that uh, we're going to see this false religious system, which is really an ecumenical gathering of all different religions. We see it, and you'll see, one of the things that makes it confusing in in the Bible is that we're going to see that the woman is somewhat synonymous with the city that it belongs to. And I believe that city is Rome. The woman and the city. As just like the Antichrist, the beast is synonymous with the kingdom that he rules over. Does that make sense? They're very much, it's almost, they're almost indistinguishable, meaning the woman and Rome, who I believe is Rome, and then the beast and his dominion in this final world kingdom, this revived Roman Empire. They, are, they, 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 they kind of are like melded in together. It's hard to separate the two or hard to separate each one from those entities. So let's go back into verse 1 here. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls. Remember, it was the seven angels in the chapter prior in 16 that we saw that was pouring the bowls of wrath of God out upon the earth. It says one of these seven angels. So now it's one of those kind, one of those specifically. They come, and they came and they talked with me, saying to me, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot. The great harlot who sits on many waters. This word harlot in the Greek is the Greek word porny, which is where we get our word pornography. She's a harlot. She is a fornicator. And not so much physically, although it it does include that, but spiritually she is a harlot. Meaning she has no uh, devoted husband. You and I have a devoted husband, Jesus Christ. We are married to him, and hopefully we don't commit spiritual adultery with him. And by committing spiritual adultery would be like belonging to Christ or saying you belong to Christ, but also dabbling in Eastern mysticism, you know, maybe uh, doing a little bit of you know, Hinduism, maybe a little Buddhism. And, and, and in your heart, you're just not really completely sold out to the idea that he is God. He paid the price for your sin. But you're just like, oh, there's some other roads here that could be possible. Maybe I'll worship all, and then hopefully one of them will be right, and then I'll be in. It doesn't work that way. Narrow is the path. Narrow is the gate that leads to life, but wide is the gate, and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many there be that go on that road. It is a very narrow road that you and I are on if you're a Christian, but it's open to every single human being that's ever been born, and I love that. God put me on that road. (laughs) I think we can all say that, and I know I can, I never purposed to get on that road. It wasn't even in my heart to get on that road. God put me on that road. 
I was in rebellion against him until he invaded my life, just as he did yours, hopefully all of us. He invaded your life at some point, made you aware of him, and he is the one who put you on that narrow path. But we see all around us spiritual adultery. Churches in this area that are going to be just fine in the church that's happening in the end days after the church is removed. They are going to assimilate into that ecumenical movement very seamlessly. It's going to be like butter and toast. Because they're already compromised. There are churches in this city that embrace homosexuality. There are churches in this city, and I know one of them specifically, that has a homosexual male as the pastor, and he's married to his gay lover. And the church is okay with that. Do you see a problem with that? I do. And that's not being cold and nasty. That's not being critical and judgmental. No, that's just being biblical. Don't ever let them use that words on you. If you're being judgmental, you'll know it, but hey, the truth is the truth. Right? The truth is the truth. Never be ashamed of the truth, no matter what label they place on you. Oh, you're being judgmental because you say that. No, I'm not. I'm just being faithful to what the Word of God says. And yes, it's going to draw a line in the sand. Yes, you're going to get some, you're going to get some opposition. Yes, people aren't going to like you. But did they like Jesus? When he went to the cross, he went there alone. Everybody fled from him, his closest fled from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Only John and a bunch of women, thank God the women were there. The women had more guts than the men. They were the only ones there was Jesus hung on the cross. But this ecumenical church is already in full steam, and boy, it's gaining momentum, folks. That's why it's important that we teach the Word of God. That's why it's important that you call out and encourage others to come to church. If I'm not teaching the Word, take them somewhere else. But if I am teaching the Word of God, or any church that's teaching the Word of God faithfully, bring them to that church because they need to hear the truth, unadulterated and being obedient to it. Because everyone, (laughs) there's so many places now that are into a feel-good kind of thing. You know, it's okay if you're gay. It's okay. No, it's not okay. And, And by the way, it's not okay to live in fornication either. Everybody harps on the homosexual thing, but let me tell you, there are a lot of heterosexuals that are living in sin, and maybe even some in this church. And folks, if that's the case, you need to repent. It's no different. Sin is sin. Homosexuality and also heterosexual fornication is sin. And God will not say, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. And even in the Christian church, even in the Protestant Christian church, even in Calvary chapels, there are men and women who are flirting around with things that they ought not to. Folks, it's time that we, as the church, get serious about our faith. It's time that we really say, Lord, consume all of me. I want you to have all of me. Can you see what's happening in the world now? Do you see how it's being prepared? Right before our eyes, we live in an unparalleled time, unprecedented time. We've used that, we've heard that word a lot. But boy, is it happening. It's happening. It's unprecedented. We are on the verge of something. Do you, you know it too. We are on the verge of it. And we either need to wake up, or as my grandfather says, I either need to fish or cut bait. 
I need to get with the program, or I need to get off the program, but make your calling and election sure. Isn't that what it's about? Please, I beg you to take your relationship with Christ serious. Don't let it be just a part of your life. Believe me, let it consume all of your life, because you're going to be the better for it anyway. It's so important. Do you understand? Don't be a part of this harlot church that is in the world today. It's in Protestant Christianity. It's in Rome. It's in Catholicism. It's all going to come together at some point, and they're all going to sing, sing kubaya together, and, you know, and everyone's going to feel fine with that. But the real church, the true, true church of Jesus Christ, those who are born again of God's Spirit are going to be taken out before. They're going to be taken out. God's going to remove us. Do you want to be in that number? Oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints, when the saints come marching in. Bear with me. Oh, how I love to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. Amen. Right? I want to be in that number. I want to be in the number. And I am in the number. Is it because I'm a good person? No, I'm a wretch. But I would, just like this says in, this, in Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I need to know that I'm a wretch before I can be saved. And now that I am saved, does it make me perfect? No, I'm more aware of my sin now more than ever. But hopefully I'm sinning less than I used to be. And it's true. God is conforming us to his image. It is a process. Don't be discouraged when you fall. You get right back up again, Christian, and you, you confess it, and you give your heart to him, and you start fresh, and he says, great, let's go on and do great things. I for, I've, I've forgiven you. It's, it's gone. I cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. It's done. Do you believe it, though? We don't often believe that. We sin, and we kind of walk around like Eeyore for weeks. Or days. Oh, I did it again. I can't believe it. I'm such a doofus. I'm such a doofenshmirtz. And God says, why are you crying? Yeah, you sinned, but didn't you ask for forgiveness? And didn't you, did my blood indeed wash you from all unrighteousness as my word has said? Do you believe that? So important to believe that. Again, it's not cheap. It's not cheap grace. No, it's, it's costly. But when you understand the cost that was paid for your, for your sin, how important it is. And it honors him to say, you know what? I'm, I, I'm done with that. I know he's forgiven me of that. Now walk in newness of life. And don't touch it again. And if you do and you fall again, what do you do? Do you give up and throw in the towel and join the church of Satan? No. A righteous man falls down, he gets up seven times, gets up eight times, nine times. You just keep getting up and you keep confessing, asking God to give you the grace, the, the gift of repentance. Sometimes that takes a while for us to hate our sin enough to, and then finally repent of it. Is that, do you find that true in your own life? There have been things in my life where I've hated it, I hated it, and I hated it, and I hated it, and I've kept doing it, and I hated it, and finally you're just like, man, I am just so sick of me. I am just so sick of me. Lord, save this wretch. And he goes, great. And even as a Christian, you keep confessing and you keep asking and you keep fighting. Fight it, fight it, fight it. Don't cave in for one minute. 
You don't want to be a part of the harlot church. And that's really what he's speaking of here. In the end days, there is going to be a harlot. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.